It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the midweek edition prior to the Leicester game um, for the last 16 of the Challenge Cup. And we've got a, an extra guest on today, so we'll have three guests. We've got William Davis. Good evening. Lindley McKenzie. Good evening, all. And Danny Deegan. How's it going? As usual, we'll jump into the highlights of the press conference. Who was there today, William? Yeah, well, uh, the player was Paul Boyle, who we've spoken to a number of times, but slightly different. Two coaches today, uh, Andy Friend and Nigel Carolyn, who is leaving at the end of the season after 26 years in in Connacht. So it was an interesting press conference. Yeah, well, if you look at Leicester, kind of from an old school point of view, um, I suppose they're similar to Munster back in the day and that they're a big, heavy pack and... They try and bully it, but they, they do have a little bit more subtlety to their play now as well. They have a couple of really good backs, so I suppose they're going to threaten us in a lot of different ways, but the main threat is definitely going to be up front, so we're going to have to man up up front and, and uh, not let them try bully us and go right back at them. And overall, what are you looking for? Obviously, out of this game, you want to win, but what do you need to produce to get that? The, the last three games, two very they've all tight losses, but winning is a great habit you need to get back on that horse yeah it's an 80 minute performance what we're looking for like I suppose if you look at maybe throughout the season particularly the last few games we've had patches that have been really good and aspects that have been really good but it's putting it all together now if we attack like we did in the first half of the last day plus add the defense we had when we played against Leinster it's just putting these parts together um yeah would we'll be I think would we'll be really hard to stop if we can manage that you're leaving us Nigel after a very very long time part of the furniture at the sports ground in Connacht, so uh, give us a bit of a give us a bit of a heads up on that. Yeah, the dusty old furniture—you have to put it out at some stage. So, uh, no, I look at it, William. It's uh, it's always been part of the plan. To be fair, um, you know, when I I stepped away from the academy and into the the professional coaching, I I knew there's a shelf life on that, and and uh, it's a shelf life of relevance as well. I think you've you got to keep yourself fresh. Um, and because you got to be fair to your players as well, I said it. You know, with your messaging, it's you know it, it does tend to get watered down after after a while, and and you could say the same thing, or someone else could say the same thing, and it just brings a, you know a, a kind of a bright spark to the to the program again. So I just felt myself that you know I've been a part of this bubble um, literally for the last twenty six years, and um, you know at some stage I'd love to come back. And in order to keep that door open, I feel that I need to keep relevant. I need to be fresh. I need to get my eyes open to what else is out there in the in the rugby world, and and I need to be challenged. My own views. I said it is, you know, it's in the west of Ireland. It's a small enough bubble, and we see the game through a certain lens. And and I just need that challenged as well. And and Friendly and and Willie have been, um, you know, it was no surprise to them. Uh, I said it's always been part of the plan, and um, and we just feel the time is right. Is there is there is this a no pressure game because it's a knockout game that maybe people will say Connacht, Connacht won't win this game or is this the pre- is the pressure that this is the season now to some extent this this is what it boils down to the Pro 14 is gone the Rainbow Cup is whatever it's going to be Europe is a real opportunity well this is chapter two of our season really chapter one's finished uh, we didn't make that final which is disappointing. Uh, we keep talking about as a squad uh, winning silverware and we put ourselves in a position where we're in the top 16. So uh, win four games, you win silverware. 
um, or win five games, you win silverware. So that that's that would be the intention. Certainly, it's my intention. I know as a, as a collective group of players and coaches, that's our collective intention that we we want to go and win it. So there is pressure on the game. Um, you know, it, it, we know that Connett's form uh, against English sides hasn't been great over 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 uh, the course of history. Um, so we get an opportunity to go and correct that. Um, we know, so we're up against a very formidable side, um, so it's no mean feat. But we're going there. I want us to have pressure on ourselves, to be honest, to go there and perform because this is the mark of of sides that 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 can show the growth that I believe has taken place here. So, you know, and the other thing is, is we talked about the front end. We've got we've got Nigel leaving. One of the things when Nigel said to the players on Friday, fellas, we still got silverware to win. Well, here's a great opportunity. Let's go and do it. Uh, you'd love it for all sorts of reasons, but no more so than for this play. Okay, and that was some of the highlights of the press conference today. If you want to hear the full press conference, you can go on to um, patreon.com slash craggyrugby to get the the full press conference to hear what the lads had to say. Of course, you might have to pay a couple of bob for that as where we do try and raise a little bit of cash to make sure we can keep this this um, podcast going. So um, all and any help is appreciated. So thanks to everyone who has signed up to our Patreon site up to now. So, Finley, you probably know Nigel better than all of us as you've been covering Connacht and he's been there for so long. So it's it's um, a oh. sad, sad day for Connacht. Yeah, let's just not mention how many years. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, look, Nigel is, you know, the epitome of what you would like every Connacht person to be. You know, he was a good player, great player, played for Connacht, great servant. He was a player anyone would want on their team. He went into coaching and obviously he's been very successful at it. I think he took, you know, even not just with setting up the academy and what he's done with Connacht, but also with the Ireland under-20s, who I think he took to a, a World Cup final, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then he's moved into the senior coach role. You know, apart from the fact that he's 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 developing as a coach, he's also... A very nice person. He's 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 a he's a Norwegian played with Norwegian's rugby club, and he has he has given so much to Norwegians and to Connacht rugby that you know his time he really does need for himself to move on and to develop as a coach. Now I know he's taken the best out of what coaches have been here. You know his you know the likes of Pat Lamb with his de- certainly developed you know his, his attacking game. Andy Friends come in the similar attacking game that Nigel has adapted and is growing. And he to, to have more ambitions, he does need to travel. We. We all, I'm sure we all do that in, in every single job we're at. We have to go out and experience, you know, other things. He said himself that, you know, he needs to be challenged in a different environment. He needs to be challenged so that he's not seeing everything through green. You know, even today he referred to the fact that Connett, you know, sort of have developed and grown with that chip on their shoulder. And sometimes that's what Connett needs to make them fight even harder. So, you know, he needs to, he needs to change. He, he needs to open up his eyes to, you know, the, the way the game is played and, you know, and other teams and how it's coached in other, in other teams and obviously other countries. And, you know, one could see him going on, you know, to, he's the type of person, he's got a young family and it's, you know, it's, Obviously, it's difficult when you 
have to move your family somewhere you know it might be across the world I could see him quite frankly going to New Zealand I think he would be a perfect fit there and he'd have a lot of contacts there Mm -hmm. but he's got a young family and it's probably a good time for him to go because they're also very adaptable when they're young before they have to you know move to go to college and choose colleges and things like that so I think it's a great move I think it's a great move for him I think it's a great move for his family I'm sure they'll you know thoroughly enjoy it possibly his his parents may not and the rest of their families may not you know depending on where it is we've we're also told he's quite you know he quite likes France so you know we just don't know where he's going but he will be he he will be sorely missed and I'm sure I'm sure you know that he will come back and will be an ideal candidate when he gets that experience to come back to coach Connors yeah good stuff William your thoughts yeah I mean I second everything Lindley says there um uh, Bishman school I went to um Somewhat after me, because uh, <laughs> he's, he's a good deal younger than me. Lucky him. Uh, I, I think it's a good move. I think uh, it's very honest today. He talked about going stale and seeing things through green eyes and needing to learn different things and to expand his knowledge. Uh, we're very lucky. I love doing the coach interviews that we do after the teams are announced. We rotate all the coaches around. They all get a turn. They all put a lot of time into that for us, but Nigel is always good to talk to. And it's it's interesting to do that interview at that stage of the week. And, you know, when you bump into him, when we used to be able to go to away matches, yes. which now seems like something from a different age, um, you know, you could just have a chat in general about stuff and also about rugby. So we wish him well. And... Um, He's still got a big job. Connacht have a lot of rugby to play this season and uh, he'll be a central part of that. Just when you're talking about that, when I just remembered a time I think you were with me, might have been an end of year function for Connacht and we were chatting to him. It must have been after Kieran Keane was leaving and we, his name had obviously been mentioned as by quite a few people as a, as a likely replacement. And I think we were chatting to him and he made it very clear at that stage that he wasn't ready to take on that job of head coach. I think he realizes himself that, as you say, those green eyes need to be opened up to maybe blue or yellow or, or even black. Yeah, absolutely. And he, yeah, that's, that's the mark of the man. I think very tempting. Yeah. If you were offered it just to grab it, but we've talked about this before. Head coach is a very complex role. There's an awful lot going on that's different to coaching one specific part. And, um, I think it'll be great when he does come back to Connacht and I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will and we wish him all the best. Um, we'll certainly miss him here on the uh, the Craggy crew and the Connacht clan are certainly going to miss him. Okay, before we start talking about the Leicester game, Lindy, you've got a quick injury update for us. We know the long-term injuries are still long-term and no, no movement there, but there's a couple of fresh injury updates. Yeah, just one, and that's uh, Jack Ainge, um, who has a neck injury and is rehabbing uh, at the moment. His return to play will not be determined until later this week. And then we've got three players coming back. Some of them could be back this week. We don't, we're not really sure. But over the next two to three weeks, we have um, Connor Dean, who had a shoulder injury. We had Sean O'Brien and Turner Holleran with a quad. So that's some good news on the injury front. Excellent. Excellent. So, Leicester. Uh, one of the the titans of English rugby. They've got one of the biggest grounds, Danny, in in England. Is that correct? Uh, they've got the biggest rugby ground in England. 
So single purpose rugby ground club club rugby. Wow, and we're not going to be there. Just so frustrating. It's just so annoying, and and the fans obviously feel the same way. And and I'm sure the Leicester fans are are sort of wondering what sort of team Connacht would be bringing over, and because they do struggle against Irish teams. Am I right, Danny? Uh, my recollection that the likes of Munster have gone over there and won games, and Ulster always give them a hard time. Yeah, all all the other provinces actually played Leicester at some point. Um, most recently, it was uh, Ulster um, beat them twice, home and away, um, in the Champions Cup in 2018-2019. Right, okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's going to be a heck of a challenge, William. These They're on their way back. They've got Steve Bortwick, which is, who's a highly rated coach. They've come out of the doldrums of the Jordan Murphy era and they seem to be playing a, a bit better rugby these days. Yeah, I think it's a big it's a big ask for Connacht this one. Um I think they are on the way back. They're nowhere near the side they were. This was a side that won six or seven premierships, Heineken Cups. The last two seasons they finished in the bottom two of the premiership. Um nearly got relegated. It's been a slow rebuild for them. They're a very typical I've watched a few of their games now. They're what I would call a typical English premiership side. They're very big, they're very physical, their line-out works well, they're scrum, they don't play much rugby in their own half. Um, but what they do, uh, and is this, the Premiership is looked upon sometimes, I think, as quite a dour product. It's not, there's actually quite a lot of tries scored. There are some amazingly high-scoring games, and they seem to be able to win both ways. They have had some wobbles this season. Uh, their discipline is an issue. They've had a lot of yellow cards, a lot of red cards. Very fiery game last Sunday against uh, Newcastle, which was not quite like old-fashioned rugby, but it wasn't far off. Bit of a problem beforehand when the players were going down the tunnel, which is all a bit handbags, but it's something you just don't see now. And... I'm, sure, I'm sure Dean Richards had nothing to do with that. <laughs> Um, well, Steve, Steve Borthwick today wasn't really interested in, in discussing it. He just wanted to refer to the fact that Ellis Genge then went on to the pitch and played out of his skin, which he did. Um, they're taking this very seriously. They see a home quarter final um, against Newcastle or the Ospreys. I think the Ospreys will win that pretty handily. I think Newcastle have a lot on their plate at the moment. That would be a big English-Welsh class. But they have to get past Connacht first, and they're not dismissing Connacht. He was fairly effusive about what he's seen. I'd expect him to. He's not going to sit there and say, they're no good, we're going to beat them. He's not setting himself up for that. But Connacht have played so many of these games in England. Uh, I'm very fortunate. I've actually seen them win a game in England at Worcester and draw a game in England at Worcester. Worcester yeah. Actually, before you, before you move on, Dinley, were you at that Northampton game that Connacht won back in 96, 97? I can never quite remember. It was. What, I think Nigel was playing in that too, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he scored, <laughs> scored a try. I do remember scoring a try. It was, and that was a, did the double on Northampton that year, if I believe, if I'm right. It was a remarkable, it was a remarkable um, result um, given Northampton's pedigree at the time. Hmm. 
And I always remember it was uh, Matt Dawson was the scrum half for them. And I remember when they played in Connacht, they were quite dismissive of Connacht. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was very unimpressed, actually, <laughs> with, their, with their, I suppose, very unimpressed with their arrogance and their dismissiveness of Connacht, the fact that, you know, they won. It was sort of a one-off kind of, you know. Um, and But the attitude completely changed when Connacht went over there and and uh, d- did the double on them. And I have to say, I was, I was impressed with the way that they accepted it that day. You know, it was like, okay, we have been beaten twice by a better team on this occasion. Did it mean as much to them as it meant to Connett? Possibly not. But I think, I think that was really the start of Connett's sort of European sojourn. Yeah, because that was under Warren Gatlin, wasn't it? There was, and it's funny, I've just realised that one of the reasons they might have been so dismissive in the first game was the previous season. So... In the 96-97 season, they'd lost to Northampton. Connacht had lost 31-11 to Northampton. But then in the 97-98 season, as I found my stats, um, they did. They bet them at home 43-13, which is a hell of a hammering. It's the best score Connacht have ever done against an English side. Danny can double-check that for me and tell me if I'm wrong. Um, But to, to have done that and then to go away in the second last game, and 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 everything was on on the line in that game to to win that game was incredible and and yes Nigel Nigel scored. But anyway, back to Leicester, as you say, William. We haven't done all that well in the last little while. Okay, Danny, go. Well, I just want to jump on that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd have to agree with what Porthwick is looking at. Like um, we actually have similar uh, defenses. So as in, uh, both teams have an eighty-seven uh, percent success rate for tackles this season now Connacht have made more but both teams can kind of have a little bit of a leak but um, Connacht have made 117 clean breaks to Leicester's 82 and Connacht have beaten 290 defenders and Leicester have only beaten uh, 240 so Leicester do have a bit of a trouble in attack yes they do like to play in the right areas but um, I think Connacht are going to be looking to go and play and possibly get them wide like they did against Scarlets. Sounds like there's an attack coach needed in Leicester and a certain Mr. Carlin might be available. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think the point is that they they don't do much in their own half. He talked about, Steve Borthwick today, talked about the fact that uh, Connacht were scoring tries from their own 22 against the Scarlets. He made that point. He talked about the game at Le- uh, Leinster where Connacht got the squeeze on early and got points. He also talked about them doing that against Munster. He didn't follow up and say a better team would have got more scores in that 15 minutes. Connacht mm. got one try in a conversion. There was plenty of other. That's that's what he's looking at. Mm. And, I, and that's why I think they're taking this game hugely seriously because they're not good enough at the moment to just feel, well, we're better than Connacht. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the challenge for Connacht. Pro 14, 8 and 8, should have probably been 10 and 6. The best performance was actually the 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 loss away to Munster because that was a, a very tough game. Mm. Edinburgh, the red card, the Scarlets game, I don't know, what, what can you say? It just, it was utterly baffling. Uh, but interesting today that Paul Boyle, Andy Friend, both referenced the fact Defensively, Connacht were poor right through that game. It wasn't just yeah. the second half. And he also talked about the red penalties. 
nine of them. He said the whole every penalty that Connacht gave away was a red penalty. Eight of them in the second half. If they do that against Leicester, they're gone because George Ford moves that ball up and down the touchline and kicks goals for fun. And I'm that's that's a huge challenge. They've got to make sure that they don't get involved in a penalty uh, scenario. It's, well, talking about that, like we're, we we've had to change a referee. We were supposed to have a French referee, but now we're going to have a a Pro 14 referee around that, and that that should change things because that means this referee will know us, and there'll be a it'll just be a and and of course the, the Pro 14 is refereed slightly differently than um, than the English Premiership. Yeah, Steve Borthwick again. I mean, I I couldn't resist bringing that up with him, and he gave a very very diplomatic, very very good answer actually. About the fact well, you well, just have actually, to get do you know on. what? Before you talk about it, let's hear what he said. I think it's one of the, it's always one of the challenges you have in Europe. You've got to adapt as a referee, referee in the game. The laws are the same. Interpretations might be slightly different, but then you've got to adapt. And it's always the way one of the team is quickest to adapt. Um, it, it will, will, will usually, well, ultimately, you want to be the team's quickest to adapt. Simple as that. I think they are probably not very amused by this um, because it's very odd hmm. that they couldn't find another French referee and now we're getting they, they, are, they will feel this is a pro 14 referee he's not a very experienced referee either and it is refereed differently the laws are the same that's the point he made but their interpretations the other big difference TMOs in the Premiership operate differently to TMOs in the pro 14 they seem to take over the decision-making, they seem to make a lot more of the calls. The referee almost gives it over to them. Um, and I think that's very tricky for players because they can't talk to the TMO. They can only talk to the referee. Mm. Uh, and they were all talking, which is another <laughs> issue for another day. It used to just be the captain. Um, well, that's up to the ref. The, the ref can easily stop that. He just turns around and says, I'm only talking to the captain. That really is down to me. That's down to the ref. That's one thing I would say about referees. If there, if there's too much chat on the field, stop it. It's very easy to stop it because you say to them, anyone, next person who talks, you give a penalty away. You give the penalty away and everyone shuts up. Okay, we've been talking a lot about their, the Leicester coaches, but they've, they've got one heck of a squad there, Lindley. They seem to have internationals all over the place. Yeah, they do. And the biggest worry, I think, facing Connacht is going to be that the, the strength of that pack and, mm-hmm. and their forward. I mean, depending on who they put in there, if you've got a front row with, you know, Tom Young's the former Lion and you've got Dan Coles and you've got um, Alice Genge, then you, you have a, a formidable front row that Connacht is going to have to deal with, you know. And then outside him, of course, you know, you've got George Ford who... Um, who just kicks points for fun, I think. Was it 16 points he kicked, you know, in the last match? You know, um, and despite the fact that they had two sitting bins, I think they still they still survived quite handily, you know. So I think I think it's recognized, and I think Andy Friend is recognizing, I think everyone in Connaught recognized that this is going to come down to how Connaught withstand that pack and how they deal with that pack. You know, look, Connaught have been dealt a little bit of a blow with the loss of the loss of three key players. Mm-hmm. And look, when you look at those key players, Bundy, obviously, you know, in the back line, this kind of almost like a spiritual leader who gets who gets everybody going and pumps everybody up, leaves nothing behind him. You've got Jared Butler, who's the example on the pitch, who also deals quietly and efficiently, you know, now with referees. But 
biggest of all possibly is Quinn Roo and his sheer power and his experience. And I think the how he is held in pretty high esteem in the rugby world for the work that he does in that pack. And I think without those three players, it has just made, you know, no matter, no matter we all know that there are replacements, et cetera, et cetera, of good quality. But I think without those three key players, I think it's a really, really big ask for Connor. Just Danny, before you, you just jump in there, you, you've been lucky enough to train with somebody who might be playing, which is, who's uh, Nemanja Nandolo, who's um, yeah. a monster, monster winger. Like he's bigger than most forwards. But um, you managed to get training against him once, if I remember rightly. Yeah, yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, it was before uh, Ireland played Fiji in Dublin. Um, I was playing rugby with uh, Monkstown in Dublin. And uh, our coach was good friends with the guys at Blackrock. They asked, could, could three guys come down training? I was one of the lucky guys to come down. Um, now, they sent two flankers and a back row. Um, and I was six foot two and 105 kilos, and the second row was six foot six and 115, and we all looked small. <laughs> they all thought we were they all thought we were backs. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun to to train with those guys. We like we 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 didn't go hammer and tongs in a in a, a full on match, but we got to do a few lineouts against them, do jump in doing some scrums with them, but. Um, yeah, they were. It was a great experience. Uh, what was the best thing about it was they were all playing with smiles on their faces. No matter what they were doing, they were doing fitness. They had smiles on their faces. It was always just a smile on their face, and their skills were unbelievable. And Nandolo, he was actually a guy that we got a picture with, um, and he made us all look small. <laughs> like it really did. He looks more like a prop than a winger. Well, but if you send me move. on send me on that photo, I'll, I'll tweet it out after the, the pod goes out, so people can can see that this is a winger standing beside <laughs> Irish forwards. <laughs> Um, I see one of the names that's after popping up to me as I look at their list is is um, Johnny McPhillips, who obviously left Ulster and, and ended up at, at Leicester. I think he was on the bench last week. It'll be fascinating to see if yet another Irish out-half um, turns up and starts playing rugby in England again. Yeah, the Irish player I'm interested in is uh, Dan Kelly. Uh, he played 12 last week against Newcastle. Um, the rumour mill would suggest that Connacht maybe tried to sign this guy last year uh, under 20s player he looks a bit uh, a bit special he was very important in that game because he took a lot of the heavy hits but he's a very good offloader I think he's a key part of the way they're going to set up if he plays we don't know he's only 19 I'm only just looking him up he's only 19 like he has played yeah, for Ireland from, but he's, he's English born yeah. yeah he comes from a rugby league background as well I think Connacht are going to have to play like they did against Munster, but they're going to have to play as well, if not better, than when they played Leinster. People will, I, I think Leicester will just go about their business the way they go about it. The two players, the key players for me, actually, are the six, uh, Hanno Liebenberg and eight, Jasper Visa. Visa, another player that Connacht looked very closely at, played. We've seen him here. In, he looks a far better player now. He looks a lot mm. fitter than he ever did coming up here for the Cheetahs. Connick know what's coming and it's it's whether they can deal with it and then get their own game away is going to be the key to this to the to this game on Saturday evening in what would normally be a jam-packed Welford Road. Yes. But obviously there's going to be 200 people there, not fans, 200 people in total in what is quite a big ground. 
they're probably they're probably you know kind of negates a little hopefully a little bit of of you know the, the home crowd and their influence on the game and hopefully evens it up a little bit more i think I think the first, and I think Andy Friend said something today about the first 20 minutes, and I think I think that's going to be really critical. I think Connett have shown they're quite capable when they're on song of playing a very confident game of rugby. And I think if they can they can play that game. They can use the likes of John Porch to give them some go forward ball running from deep if he gets the ball, especially out to to, to Watton on the wings, then I think they, they will gain confidence with every every time they, they get through a play, every time they attack. My my fear is if if they the defense, depending on the defense of Leicester, and if they get frustrated with the fact that they are pushed back and they are stopped from from getting good go forward ball. That that's my main fear. I think if if Connick can be totally energetic, put everything into it. They have to be clinical as well, of course, and they have to play a little bit smart. Um, I, I, you know, I think they have every opportunity, but I think, you know, obviously the odds are definitely with the home side. They certainly are. Danny, your thoughts on the chances of conduct at the weekend are less or only five point favourites at the moment, which is, I was surprised it was so low, but what do you think? Uh, yeah, you you got to look at that like saying, yeah, they're at home. Uh, they've got a good home record this season. Um, but kind of have a good attack. Like uh, in the Pro 14, um, Connacht have scored uh, 53 tries. And in the Premiership, Leicester have conceded 39. You know, um, so kind of, kind of have a, and they've only scored thirty-four. So kind of know how to score tries. Mm. And something that you mentioned, William, is that kind of not being in the game for eighty minutes. Um, something that Leicester seemed to be, it, it from looking at the stats. I haven't watched that many games. We're looking at the stats. You know, uh, in the second half of the game against Newcastle, they only had twenty percent territory. You know, uh, they only had against Exeter uh, in the first half. It was again twenty percent. You know, like they they seem to be on top. If they're on top, they are on top. But if if they're not on top, they are so far off it because they only have an overall territory for the last five games of forty seven percent. You know, in and around the halfway. So like that's that's. But it's a lot of swings and roundabouts. So in the first half, it's either high or it's really low. So it'll be about taking chances. Okay, it certainly sounds like everyone thinks we have a chance, but are not overly confident of a of a win. So, in the last couple of minutes before before we we end the podcast, let's have a quick rundown as to who we think might be playing for Connacht. Or can we, you know, there might be a couple of places that you'd, you'd wonder who might be playing. Like scrum half is the obvious one, but I'm assuming most of the pack picks itself, um, with possibly the hookers, you'd probably start with Dave Heffernan. What do you think? I'm I'm assuming Buckley yeah. and Bealham are starting. By the way, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I think Dave Heffernan would be uh, pretty important for them, uh, scrummaging wise. Alton um, Delan, Gavin Thornbury, your second rows, back row is going to be interesting because I think they're going to have a lot of work on. Uh, Paul Boyle definitely be there. Um, Owen Masterson tends to think his way very well through a game, mm-hmm. and. I suspect Connor Oliver would be the seven. Um, he's abrasive, 
he just needs to watch his penalties. Um, Lindy, what do you think at scrum half then? Who do you are you going to pick, Kalen, or are you going to pick Kieran? <laughs> um, I I think uh, Kieran Blade is probably at the moment has appears to have that number one shirt to a certain degree, but I personally would go with Kieran Marmion. And the reason I say that is because I think with such a strong, my view, my opinion is that with such a strong pack and a possible um, not as much go forward ball that I think we need a really swift, some swift passing and a little bit more dynamism in the scrum half position where, where Kaylin is extremely solid I think Kieran Marmion's passing is just that little bit slicker. He's a little bit faster to the ball. That's just my personal opinion. But I, I you know, it, it's it, look, it's a toss up, really, isn't it? And then, Liam, assuming you're going to pick Jacket out half, I, I don't think there's any question there, is there? No, not at all. Centers, at William, were you saying there was word of Peter Robb coming back because we could be a bit light at centre if he isn't? Well, um, I think he's back training. But he, and he's not on the injury list. Right. So you can never be 100% sure that that means that they're available. Um, I think they'll have to look at him because they, we are a bit stuck at centre at the minute. Uh, Tom Daly will be there. Um, and then back three, Danny, you know, you're big friends with Packy, you know, full back and all that. So you must know all about the full back and, and wingers and stuff like that. <laughs> Well, to be honest, I think the, the back three kind of picks itself of uh, Porch, Wooden and Healy. Um, I'd be looking at that just purely for Healy's defence compared to uh, the second or the most popular back back three that we've picked this season was Porch, Sullivan and Wooden. The second was Porch, Wooden, Healy. I think Healy comes in because he's just got that uh, better defensive mind than Sullivan does at the moment. Okay. All right. So looks like a, a solid enough team. We'll we'll find out later in the week and, and we'll have a, another mini pod for William interviews the coaches and can ask them about the, the selections that we, we get. Um and we'll have that out later on in the week. Um so I'd like to thank everyone. That was that was a good chat tonight. Thank you everyone. We'll just just it. just before we go, I want to confirm yeah, Northampton the forty three thirteen win was the highest that we've scored against an English team. Thank you, Dan. I knew you'd find it for me. <laughs> okay, so we'll finish off with William trying to make sense of the final weeks of the Pro 14 season because I think it's still going on, even though the final's already been played. But here's William with the tables, the results, and any other fixtures that might be still outstanding for the Pro 14. Bye, folks. Final weekend of action in the Guinness Pro 14, and on Saturday, March the 27th, it finished Glasgow Warriors 46, Benetton 25. And the playoff final, Leinster 16, Munster 6. And the final live action of this year's Guinness Pro 14 was on Sunday, March the 28th. It finished Dragons 24, Edinburgh 17. That left one unplayed match between Edinburgh and Benetton and the Pro 14 have announced that that game is permanently cancelled. It has been awarded to Edinburgh and thus the Pro 14 season is complete with all teams having been designated as playing 16 games. Let's have a quick look at what that does to the final tables. 
In Conference A, Leinster first, Ulster second, Ospreys third, all of them direct to the European Champions Cup next season. Glasgow Warriors fourth, Dragons fifth and Zebra sixth. In Conference B, first Munster, second Connacht, third Scarlets, fourth Cardiff, fifth Edinburgh and Benetton on the bottom. Sad end for them. Effectively played 16, won none and lost 16. Next weekend, attention switches to Europe and on Easter Saturday, April the 3rd in the European Challenge Cup, the game for Connacht is Leicester Tigers versus Connacht at 8pm. Also in the European Challenge Cup on Easter Sunday, the 4th of April, the final game of the European weekend, Harlequins versus Ulster, who are playing their first ever Challenge Cup game. That kicks off at 8pm. On Friday, April the 2nd, Leinster are play Toulon at 5.30pm. And on Saturday, April the 3rd, Munster play Toulouse at 3pm. The latter two games in the European Champions Cup. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Side 